I am joined by Peter and Bridget Morningstar, and I wanted to talk to both of you in honor of Adoption Month because that has been a big part of your journey. When did you first begin your adoption journey, and why did you start? Well, we had a single child one time and just were not able to achieve another pregnancy and never really discovered exactly why, but I figured, well, you know, it's all right. There are other ways to build a family. And we were living in West Virginia at the time, adopting our now 19-year-old. And that was great. We had a great experience with that. It was through a pregnancy care center, similar to the one here in Presque Isle. You know, now he's an adult out on his own. And it's been a wonderful experience raising him for the past 19 years. So you adopted two children years ago and now have adopted again, correct? Yeah, our third child was adopted in 2007. We were a family of the two of us and our three kids for many years, and then I got involved with the foster system. So that is sort of what led to expanding our family again. It's been sort of growing slowly over the past three years. You said you got involved with the foster care system. Was it like a call? You guys didn't just adopt an additional child. You adopted several children. So there was a point in time when we felt like really settled. I guess being foster parents was something we thought about doing, but then we always found the excuse to not do it because we were either moving or just didn't feel completely settled. But once we did feel settled and our three oldest were old enough that we thought, you know what, we have time to devote to opening our home to foster kids. And I had the idea of becoming a foster parent and we got everybody's support in our family to do that. And then that began our journey of getting certified, making our home ready to be foster parents. And that journey sort of took us to adoption. (laughs) We didn't anticipate that happening. We just thought maybe we'd just be able to help kids along, you know, while supporting birth families. I mean, our faith really informs our way of living, I guess, and our thinking about what people need. And everybody needs a family. So as foster parents, we're kind of temporary families, but we can be foster parents with the hope that there might be reconciliation. And that was the hope that I carried as a foster parent and Peter too. But after a period of time, that hope didn't pan out, but it didn't mean that we couldn't hope. And then the kids needed a family. So either they need their birth family or they need another family. And we felt strongly that the kids should be adopted, but we didn't know who would be adopted. Some of the kids were in different homes. So we just put it out there that if anyone wanted to be adopted and wanted to be with their siblings, that they could come here. And over time, the kids decided that they would. And so in the end, we ended up having seven. And the amazing thing was that as each child joined our family, we could see that each kid became more whole, more of themselves. And in a way, by having them all together, they kind of got to the start line (laughs) of, you know, growing and developing. And it was really a beautiful thing. When everybody was together, I knew without a doubt that it was really exactly what we were meant to do. The kids are amazing. We're blessed a lot by all of the kids. And you can't really anticipate what it's going to be like, but I'm really thankful. I'm really thankful that God took us on this journey. Yeah. And a lot of times in the foster care system, children are not able to stay with their birth siblings because it's very difficult to find homes that can take multiple children. So that really is kind of a unique journey that you two have been on. We had a little bit of a 
ability, I guess, to take a larger than expected number of kids because we happen to live in a larger than expected house. I mean, like there was sort of a practical thing that kind of allowed a certain amount of that, which if we'd been living in a smaller place, we would have said, ah, you know, we couldn't do that. But even then, it had to happen over time for us in our mindset. If someone had said to us when the first kid moved in that there'd be seven moving in, we would have said, ah, I mean, there's no possible way we could do that. That would be inconceivable. We had no imagination to even dream something like that. But the way the journey went was one turned into three and you say, well, you know, two more is a lot, but we probably could pull that off and then sort of get used to that. And then there's another one or two like, well, you know, what's another one or two. And over time you do a little slow cooking and what is completely inconceivable and beyond the possibility of imagination suddenly becomes, yeah, sure, we can do that. How hard could it be? <laughs> <laughs> and how hard has it been? I mean, how is the adjustment going? It hasn't been that bad, really. It's a little different, I think, from some foster situations. All the kids are real well-adjusted, sweet kids. You know, not to criticize anyone who's not well-adjusted and sweet, but these guys happen to be, and, you know, God bless them for it. But that definitely made the adjustment good, is that, we weren't having to sort of run up against spending all our time with just one kid to the neglect of all the others. I don't think anyone feels left out or that one or two kids get all the attention. So it's actually worked out pretty well in that way. So what has been the best part of this journey for the two of you? Compared to adopting other ways, adopting through the foster system, we didn't plan it, but the result of it was I feel really connected with our community. Like we couldn't do any of this all by ourselves. Even as we were fostering, there were other foster parents that came alongside, or, you know, we came alongside other foster families and we supported one another and helped each other with practical day-to-day things. And it just gave me an opportunity to be really thankful for all of the people in our community who help. I just love our bus driver. Every day I'm like, oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Mr. Buster, I just love you. Because I know that I can't do it all by myself. When you sort of push yourself to the limit a bit, you are forced to say, I need help. And it's a humbling experience. And it's actually a good thing. And when you ask for help, you give an opportunity for a relationship to build. And I would say that with the kids' teachers or anybody we come in contact with, like kids' coaches or whatever. People have been super, super supportive. Even we have two people who are Christians who help look after our kids in our home. And I'm so thankful for them. Every time they come, I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm in heaven. The amount of support that we've had this round has been really comforting. And also it feels like we have a legitimate family, a family of people who are all working to the best interests of the kids. One of the things I've liked about it is there's a lot of pressure in parenting in the 21st century. And we kind of felt that, I know I kind of felt it. And especially when we were raising our oldest three kids, Bridge to stay-at-home parent. Shoot, I'm a pediatrician, I'm supposed to know everything. There's this expectation of perfection that you really should be killing it. And, you know, we weren't. Obviously, well, you're not well, so why aren't you? What are you doing wrong? When you take on 10 kids, well, then you can completely embrace imperfection because you know you're going to be lousy most of the time on most of the days, and that that then becomes the expectation. So you get this sort of wonderful lowering of 
expectation of perfection. And that is liberating. Well, that happened yesterday. We misplaced a child for about 15 minutes. Well, you know, I mean, shoot, we know exactly where nine of them are. And that was great. Like, I'm feeling pretty good about 90% right now. And uh, anyway, he found to turn up somewhere. And sure enough, you know. He was found in the third place you looked, I think, right? Yeah. yeah I was supposed to pick him up for school, but he yeah, had an idea about where he was going instead. <laughs> so I had to go find him. But, <laughs> but that feels kind of lower key. You don't feel like the worst parent in the world when you, you know, temporarily misplace a job. There's and, more grace. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of grace out there. No one, ourselves first and foremost, and our family and friends and the community. I don't think anyone really expects us to be able to know totally what we're doing when we're juggling 10 balls in the air. So it's all good. We're having a good time with it. I think it's been fun. It caused us to relax. How could you do it any other way? Right. Do you think that in the future, when these kiddos grow up, do you think foster or adoption will still be in the future for the two of you? Or do you think this is probably it? Well, that's an almost absurd speculation since if you had asked us in 2009, if foster adoption was in our future, we would have laughed. So don't be ridiculous. We're completely overwhelmed by what we're doing right now. So we never say never. We're not getting any younger though. I'll just put that out there. <laughs> For anybody who is thinking about this journey, what would you say to them? People who are maybe on the edge of deciding whether they'd like to be you know, involved in adoption or the foster care system. Now that you have experience. If they have a clear message, which is that Having been on the non-participating side of this thing, it's very easy to think you can't do it. There's a thousand reasons why it would be ridiculous to consider doing it. It is overwhelming and I don't know who's doing it. They must be sort of saints or crazy or both. But the reality is that once you actually step in and do it, it is entirely doable. It is a big problem that there aren't enough homes for people in our state and that if anyone is looking for an opportunity to do good for other people that doesn't necessarily involve you having to leave your own home, then this is an opportunity for you to embrace. It's been a wonderful thing and actually oddly doable. It is oddly doable. And so don't just reject the idea out of hand. Totally doable. Bridget, anything you would say? Yeah, to not let fear stop you from doing something, especially if it's on your heart. Lots of people can be foster parents, but not everybody can be foster parents. Not everybody's in the same life situation. And that was true for us at one point. But that if you have an inkling or, you know, some kind of thought in your mind, like passing through your mind that maybe you'd like to be a foster parent to reach out to other foster parents. They're really super helpful. And there's a lot of people who are doing it. There are a lot of people in our church who are doing it. Just start asking questions and pray about it. And God will give you the power (laughs) that we can't sustain on our own. And I think that our experience proves that, that we have the fuel for the fire. You've said you've had a lot of support from the community. How can people who know others, maybe like you said, it's not right for them right now, but how can they invest into the lives of people who have adopted or who are going through this process? How can they best support? It's sort of a circumstance by circumstance thing. We've had a lot of very good experiences with our kids have friends and the kids' friends and their families have embraced our kids. And if someone needs a pickup or a drop off, We get way more help picking up and dropping off for our kids than we 
are passing back the other direction. It is asymmetrical and it's been very helpful to us. It's allowed our kids to do things that they otherwise might not be able to do. And we're very grateful for it to the extent that people out there who, you know, maybe don't have the circumstance where they can take in kids can sort of provide some of that help along the way. That's been a real benefit to us. The foster homes, which our kids were in prior to coming to us, have on an ongoing basis been wonderful with our kids and kept pouring things into them and being there for them, not just carting them around, but continuing to open their home to them and loving them and doing things for them. So we, like I was saying earlier, have no illusions about our ability to be able to do it all ourselves. And there's nothing like a big group to make that concrete. And so we have happily embraced all of the things that our friends and neighbors and the kids' friends and the kids' neighbors have given to them in the way of time and energy. You know, a lot of people think of the foster care system and the adoptive system as really, really broken and that there's so many families out there that just aren't healthy and that the foster care families are not always healthy. But it's really nice to hear that positive side where there are a lot of really wonderful foster parents out there and hearing they helped them for a while and they still continue to help them even after they've left their home. It's really beautiful to see that positive look at the foster care system and how it can work. There isn't a day that goes by where in my office, I don't see their foster parents. Foster parents are fantastic. They're doing a great job. It isn't like they're being paid like CEOs to be foster parents. They're <laughs> no one there for the money, okay? People are doing awesome jobs taking in kids and sometimes under very challenging circumstances. And I see that every day and I'm impressed by it every day. I think that there's a lot of great things going on in our area in that way. And on the flip side, the fact that a child is in foster care means there's brokenness and there's trauma. But like you said, there's so many kids out there who they just need that loving family and people to have patience and love and offer them that future for them to thrive. It doesn't necessarily mean that you'll experience the stereotypical, sometimes it could be a very negative look at foster children. But like you said, they're just children who have some brokenness in their past and need that love, right? They need someone to make a commitment to them. Yeah. So if it can't be their parents, after you tried to help that family dynamic, then it needs to be somebody. That's what God tells us that we're all created to be in families. So our kids got to be in our family, but our family isn't just us. Our family is the church and we need aunts and uncles and cousins and people playing those roles in our kids' lives. And we welcome that. And we have that. We have experienced that. And we're super thankful. So you guys recently received an award. Can you tell me just a little bit about that? Our Senator, Susan Collins, is on a committee on adoption in the United States Senate. And each year, all the senators on that committee nominate someone from their state to get a recognition for doing work in the area of adoption. And sometimes it's people who are employed in social services. Sometimes it's families. And Senator Collins nominated us this year. It was very nice of her and thoughtful of her to think of us in that way. And we're very grateful. I'll say as someone who knows a lot of adoptive families that we're not especially deserving over anybody else, but we certainly were touched by her thinking of us in that way. And it's kind of a nice thing for our family and kind of fun and sort of interesting. We got to have a chat with her, which we'd never met her before. And that was sort of neat. And it was kind of like a nice little break from the routine to sit and chat with the senator. <laughs> well, definitely a big congratulations on that. I think if there's something that I would want to highlight, it would be that getting involved in this 
is totally doable for just about anyone. It can kind of look from the outside very forbidding. The whole system looks forbidding. And it does require a little bit of stick to to get through the starting gates. There's a lot of little bureaucratic exercises you have to go through and they come in and they worry about your handrails and the size of your windows and there's all kinds of little things, little hurdles, but they're totally hurdleable. As long as you're not in a rush to get things done by Tuesday, this is a process that can be done by most people. And so don't be too intimidated by the, the sort of forbidding walls of the system. There are plenty of gates, plenty of stairs. People can do this and God willing, people will. There's the need.